This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you, and I've had a lot of questions about Teddy Bridgewater as Minnesota Vikings fans keep close eye on their former quarterback, so I decided to bring on my go-to guy for everything Jets, Joe Caparoso, who is uh, the owner of TurnOnTheJets.com and one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, Joe, does it surprise you from uh, everything that you've heard about Teddy Bridgewater uh, in preseason camp and everything else, uh, does it surprise you that Vikings fans are still playing close attention now that you've learned about Teddy and his personality? No. I mean, i got to tell you that Teddy's fans, and I don't mean this in a negative way, remind me of Tebow fans. <laughs> uh, they are very adamant, very dedicated Sometimes a bit overzealous. I've had to block a couple of people. What a little extreme. Uh, but he's an easy guy to root for, right? I mean, we, you know, Jet fans have been following his story pretty closely. The team's done a good job documenting it on their behind the scenes sort of knockoff version of hard knocks that they've been doing on Facebook. And just from watching how other players have responded to him, watching how he's dealt with the media, uh, he's an easy guy to root for. He, I think he's played really well. I think he's exceeded most people's expectations and he has, some type of dedicated fan base out there between his Vikings and uh, Louisville days who are not shy about letting you know what you think, (laughs) letting you know what they think when it comes to him and the Jets quarterback situation overall. Well, I I think that uh, some people on Twitter might say that I belong in that category myself, Joe, because I wrote a lot last year about why the Vikings would want to turn back to Teddy Bridgewater potentially and looked back into his 2015 tape and I think you see a lot more than what the numbers say. When you just look at touchdown to interception ratio, that doesn't really tell you about whether quarterback play was good or not. And the uphill battle he was facing with that offense, when he got out of it, uh, I thought was very impressive. And in the preseason, Joe, you've seen a lot of the skills that Teddy's fans fell in love with. It wasn't just that he was a nice guy. It was that he's a very accurate passer when he's at his best, and he's been that through a couple preseason games. Yeah, he's been very good, very accurate, been more mobile uh, than I've expected and done a good job of avoiding the rush, particularly last week against Washington. 
you know, sort of sliding in the pocket, avoiding sacks, keeping his eyes up down the field, and really, particularly in the last game against Washington, was very smooth in throwing in the intermediate uh, to deep passing game even, which is not which has always been, I know, somewhat of a criticism for him. He did have one interception when trying to attack down the field last week on a nine route, but he did also have the touchdown to Sharone Peak. So I think the Jets are happy because I think Bridgewater showcased very well in the preseason, and I think that's going to continue to be the plan. I think he's going to play probably half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter uh, tomorrow night against the Giants, and I think he's basically going to play the entire fourth preseason game a week from today against the Eagles, and the Jets are going to take a temperature of the trade market, see if they can move him before the season or potentially hold on to him a few weeks into the season and see if any type of injury happens. But I don't think Teddy fans should be under any illusion that unless something disastrous happens to Sam Darnold tomorrow night, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets week one. And that has to do mostly with just the direction of the franchise, what they spent on him in the draft, and then also just how good he's looked through camp. Is that why that they would be so clearly set on Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think Darnold's not. I think there's a misconception that Darnold's competing against Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. He's not. He's competing against himself. Sam Darnold is the future of this franchise. They traded three draft picks to get him. They gave him a $32 million contract. They gave Teddy Bridgewater a one-year minimum deal that's not even guaranteed unless he's on the roster week one, which shows, I think, how the league probably undervalued him on the free agent market, considering that that was the type of contract he had to take. And Darnold, uh, to his credit, has been advanced in camp, has shown that he looks not like a 21-year-old, like someone who's competent and is ready to play. So, yes, in the preseason, has Teddy been overall better than Darnold? Yeah, I'd say so. But the gap has not been substantial enough to the point where the Jets are going to start Bridgewater. And from a team situation, the Jets, you can make a case that the Jets are better served long term going maybe 6-10 and 10 with Sam Darnold, with him playing well and learning and developing and being read, more ready for 2019 than they are going maybe 8-8 eight and eight with Teddy Bridgewater and then seeing him walk in free agency for nothing. Because Bridgewater is not going to sign another contract here. He's aware of what the situation is with Darnold. And Darnold has played well enough in camp, not just the preseason, but in camp every single day where he's getting the overwhelming majority of the first-team reps to basically lock down this job pending nothing crazy happening against the Giants. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day from Daniel Jeremiah, which uh, I think made the Teddy fans' heart grow three sizes even more, that Bridgewater and Josh McCown naturally, but Bridgewater too, while fighting for the job, has been very helpful to Sam Darnold. And he was doing that for Case Keenum last year on the sideline, pointing out things even though he wanted Keenum to ultimately get pulled and him to finally get his chance to go back in. Uh, has it been, in your mind, a big benefit, the situation that Sam Darnold has been dropped into here for his quick progress? Absolutely. I think both McCown and Bridgewater have been really valuable assets to him. I think... You know, for a young quarterback to have a guy in McCown who's basically a coach in a player's uniform at this point, and then to have Bridgewater, a young quarterback who's recently had a good amount of success, it's been good from uh, a mentoring standpoint. It's been good from a competition standpoint because there's obviously talent, a good amount of talent there with Bridgewater. So I think it's pushed Arnold to pick things up that much faster and be that much better. So I think it's been a good situation for a young quarterback. And it's sort of a weird thing for the Jets and for Jet fans. Usually this is a team that has nothing in the 
the quarterback position. And that, right now they have three guys who they feel pretty good about. Obviously, everyone's excited about Donald in the future with him. Bridgewater has played really well, and you have a segment of Jet fans who want to see him this year, and you have a larger segment who expect him to get traded for some type of draft pick or potentially a pass rusher. And then you have McCown who, you know, he's McCown. He's a mediocre, you know, NFL starter, but was pretty good last year uh, within the Jets offense and still, you know, can at least be a capable backup for the team. So it's rare for them to have this many options and depth at that position. Yeah, I think somebody pointed out the other day that uh, it's very, like, 2018 bizarre to have the Jets and Cleveland Browns have too many good quarterbacks. Uh, it's kind of just funny how Time things turn. Yeah, right. <laughs> funny how things turn on you like that quickly. Uh, now, all right, well, let's get into it with where he could go then. I mean, because, so you're playing the Giants on uh, Friday night, and I, I think you should just change uniforms because you have Eli Manning potentially in his last year Pat Shermer and Teddy Bridgewater know each other very well, and I saw Shermer had a quote about not being surprised that Bridgewater is thriving and not to sleep on him. It seems like a great situation with the Giants where he could be Eli's backup for this year and then just take over as their franchise quarterback under Shermer after that. The Jets aren't going to make that trade with the Giants. It's silly, but neither of those teams are interested in helping the other teams, really? particularly when it comes to the quarterback position. It's why. Why is that? Uh, it's, you know, you're sharing a stadium, you're sharing a market. You know, the Giants are obviously the big brother. It's why that, despite all the rumors, that there was never a chance that the Giants were going to trade their second pick to the Jets uh, to help them move up and get their franchise quarterback. Now, ironically, the Giants ended up passing on quarterbacks anyway and going with the running back, which I think they'll regret in the long term. But the Jets are not going to even take the 5 or 10% or a higher percent chance risk of being the team that hands the Giants their next quarterback. The Jets love that the Giants are riding with 37-year-old Eli Manning, and they don't have a long-term answer at quarterback, and they're not going to help them out of that situation. That's really interesting that there would be like a rivalry as if they were both in the same division, even though there's no connection there, because I, I think it's a great situation. I mean, so if they're not going to trade him there, and they're not going to trade him to like the New England Patriots because it'd be the same thing. Do you really want to trade him away and then have him beat you twice next year or something like that? The other team that I thought of in this same vein, Joe, is the New Orleans Saints because you got, you know, Drew Brees toward the end and Teddy Bridgewater is still a young quarterback. So if he's back and he's good to go, it would make sense for him to back up Drew Brees and then go from there. Do you see the Saints potentially at the top of the list? Yeah, I think the Saints are one of the teams that have been mentioned a lot as a potential option. I think it's been the Saints, been Denver. Uh, a lot of people have talked about Jacksonville. Uh, another team, uh, Seattle, because they were apparently interested in trying to acquire Jacoby Brissett, whether that rumor was BS or not. So that turned some heads. The three I've heard most commonly, though, are New Orleans, Denver, and Jacksonville as potential teams that the Jets could try to look to move uh, him over to. And with the Jaguars, a lot of people are talking about, could it be involved in a package to get Dante Fowler? Uh, and with Denver and New Orleans, it's more about, is it just a mid-round pick? And what is the value of that mid-round pick? Or do you sit on it and, you know, it, well, it sucks to say this, hope that a starting quarterback goes down for a few weeks mm -hmm. and then a team gets desperate. And then all of a sudden, instead of getting a fourth-round pick, you're getting a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and I think that that was Philadelphia's strategy a few years ago, and it worked out when Teddy went down, so it would be 
sort of serendipitous if it worked out for Teddy being on the other end of that. Uh, is there a sleeper team? Is there a team that you and, and other Jets fans have kind of had your eye on, but nobody in the national media is really talking about? Um, Not really. I mean, outside of those three, there's been a lot of rumblings about Tampa Bay uh, due to the Jameis suspension and them only having Ryan Fitzpatrick as the backup. So I think, you know, Jameis's future is a little cloudy there. So his name has been mentioned. And I think something that's kind of interesting is, you know, Michael Lombardi, who's, uh, you know, works for the Ringer and is a national, you know, correspondent, has multiple times mentioned Tampa Bay. Mm. And Michael Lombardi's son, Mick Lombardi, is a Jets quarterback coach. So I always kind of keep an eye on things that he says about the team and about trade targets, uh, just because he has his son coaches Jets quarterbacks and has the past couple of years. So I, I wonder if maybe there ends up being some interest around Tampa Bay or he's, you know, just, you know, potentially getting that out there a little bit. And then, you know, I don't know. I think it's some people were talking about the Eagles when Foles initially got hurt, but now it doesn't appear that that injury is that serious. It's basically whenever there's an injury or a suspension, Jet fans kind of get in a frenzy about potentially moving into that team. I think the only four teams who they will not trade him to are the three other AFC East teams and the Giants. Beyond that, everyone's at the table. Yeah, the Tampa Bay thing makes a lot of sense if they're not planning on sticking with Jameis Winston. And after this most recent incident, I would not blame them at all if they just said, well, it's time to punt on this guy and maybe get a better human being in here as our starting quarterback and maybe a guy who won't turn the ball over like crazy like Jameis Winston does either because I, I think his talent versus what he's produced is, is a pretty big gap right now. Um, As far as the Jets go, Joe, what What is the expectation this year? I look at the AFC and I think, boy, almost anybody could do it if Sam Darnold starts and you get decent to good quarterback play, which we've seen recently from rookie quarterbacks who step in like Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson last year. It seems like the Jets could be back in the playoffs. Look, I think the hope among Jet fans is that this year is a step forward particularly from Sam Darnold, leading them into next offseason where they're going to have $100 million in cap space. They still have their first-round pick. They only gave up their future second getting Darnold, and they could actually further build up the roster around their young quarterback. The Jets have been 5-11 and the past two seasons. There's definitely an expectation that they should improve that record, that record somewhat this year. So yeah, could I see the Jets being a little bit like the Bills last year? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they go eight and eight or nine and seven and they kind of sneak in because the AFC is particularly weak. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the question, especially when you look at their first 10 games. More realistically, they feel like a seven and nine team. They'll probably hit some road bumps. Their last six games in particular are really brutal. But if they go seven and nine and Donald plays well, they're going to go into next offseason feeling really good because they're going to have a lot of money to address their offensive line and pass rush, both of which need a major boost, and they'll still have their first-round pick to utilize as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. It, they're kind of going on that um, not quite as bad, but the Cleveland Browns sort of path of ha- saving up all of their money to be able to spend it in free agency and then looking down the road, uh, which, you know, the Jets are usually thought of as a team that messes everything up, Joe, but in this case, it looks like they're really going in the right direction. So um, it, great to, to talk with you as always. We'll have a Jets-Vikings matchup, so we will certainly – check in again also wanted to give a shout out to a uh, listener that asked me today at the minnesota state fair about more information on teddy bridgewater where he could go by the name of simon so thanks to him for that that's the reason i reached out to you joe so thanks again joe and appreciate you all listening to the purple podcast hi this is chris howard host of plugged in with chris howard 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.